the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. It's 6.05. You know where you should be. You should be on AM 970, The Answer, with Sam Bellino here on the Idola Power Hour. What's up, Matthew? Good evening, sir. How are you? I heard you had a wild weekend, man. I heard things were really crazy in the Sam Bellino really? household. Nah, yep. I didn't have a wild that's, weekend. Um, that's what's being reported out there on the news. I don't think so. I think you got to check your sources. Oh, well, my source is the person who, like a minute ago, I said, I'm going to introduce you at the beginning of the show. You should be by the microphone, and she's all the way on the other side of the room. That is the one and the only, the producer of the Idola Power Hour, Joni Pelzer. Hi, Joan. How was your crazy weekend, Joan? My crazy weekend was wonderful. I went to a place that you should actually go to. It's a Georgian restaurant. Now, Brownstone on the Upper East Side, and it was fabulous. Oh, okay. We oh, have a Georgian house. restaurant in Bay Ridge on 3rd Avenue. My parents oh my gosh, frequent it quite often. Well, I have to take your parents to What did you eat at the Georgian re- restaurant? We ate their bread, which is amazing, with cheese and egg in it, and you dip it. And then we had a bunch of shashlik, which is like shish kebab, and some stews, and some grappa. Oh, you ended off strong. Out of vodka at the end. (laughs) All right. Well, there's a lot to cover here on the Idola Power Hour. Thanks to Joni, we have not one guest, not two guests, but three guests. So we are going to just go right to the news. Uh, We are going to talk, if you look at the the news right now in New York City, since this is a New York City-centric show, uh, there's a big shakeup at the FDNY, and we are going to have the head of the union on, uh, Mr. James McCarthy. And uh, he'll be talking to us about what's going on in the FDNY. And, of course, if it's Monday, it's Motor Monday. We'll talk a little bit to Lauren Fix. But I want to start off with the headline of the New York Law Journal. Now, this may have been spurred on by our interview last week with uh, Commissioner Ray Kelly, where we did a whole segment on stop and frisk and the uh, basically the history of stop and frisk in the city of New York. The headline reads... Major reform in street encounters enacted by police department. And the author of this headline-grabbing New York Law Journal article is the one and only Barry Cammons, otherwise known as Judge Barry Cammons, otherwise known as the Cammons in Idala, Bertuna, and Cammons. Judge Cammons, don't be afraid of the microphone. Step right up. 
Yes, sir. Good evening, Arthur. It's okay. great to be back with so you. So you wrote this awesome article in a lot of legalese, but I know you're going to make it nice and easy for people to uh, understand. What does this really mean regarding police officers stopping uh, fellow citizens on the street? Well, most New Yorkers are familiar with the stop and frisk concept because of the uh, le- legislate, uh, the uh, litigation that you mentioned last week. But I don't think most New Yorkers realize that there comes a point in the stop procedure where the police have to let you go. And the problem that was going on in New York was that the police were not letting people go even after they were stopped lawfully on the street. But once the reason for the stop ended, the police were required to uh, let people go where they were not. What they were doing, actually, is asking them for their identification and then holding them still in detention and then running their identification and finding out whether they had warrants. Now, you may know, and many people know, there are hundreds of thousands of people with outstanding warrants in this city. And what would happen then is that the individuals would be first arrested on the warrant And if they had contraband on them, arrested for that, and then taken back to the court which issued the warrant. So we have this agreement by the New York City Police Department, which I think is a major development, that says that we will not hold people once the reasonable suspicion ends. We will not ask for their ID. We will not check for warrants. We will not take them back to the court. uh, And we will let them go, which is really what they should have been doing all along. Well, let me just... uh, um let me just figure out if, if I may make sure I know what we're talking about. Here. Sure. If somebody um, is walking on the street and uh, hypothetically the police see a bulge right in their waistband and they, they think it's they believe it's a gun, right? They have reasonable suspicion to think that they're carrying a gun. They're allowed to stop that person. The person raises it up and it is just their wool hat that they took off their hat head and it's in the belt right at that point the reasonable suspicion ends and the person must be released what they were not doing was releasing them but holding them checking their id checking for warrants and possibly arresting them if they had the outstanding warrants that no longer will happen okay so in a very realistic uh manner though a lot of those that lot a lot of the success under the giuliani administration had to do with running those people's names and hitting those warrants and bringing people in, correct? That's correct. Um, and actually, and according to what you're just telling us, that has been going, th- that, that procedure has been going on for years, for years. And uh, that process now will, has ended. And the police department will now be retraining officers so that when they're on the street, they can no longer hold people once the reason for the stop has ended. As you say, in the Bulge case, when they realize that there's no gun or when there's an identification possibly, uh, I mean, there's a robbery and someone is thought to be the suspect, but the victim comes and says, nope, that's not him. At that point, he must be released. Okay. And just so we're crystal clear, if the Bulge turns out to be a gun, obviously they can keep him. If the, yes. the victim shows up and says that's uh, him that's, that's him. him obviously they can keep him and yes. then uh so what brought up this change about is this a adams administration thing is this a wasn't well, there a lawsuit brought this by- was a a lawsuit brought by the legal aid society a class action by a number of people who had been detained held uh for their identification and uh, some people were arrested some were released but the point was they should not have been held at all and this was a class action where the police department did not admit any wrongdoing but 
agreed to change their policy. They've redone the patrol guide. They've reworked their training, and now officers know that they cannot hold someone beyond that point when the suspicion ends. Was this a state case or was this a federal case? This was a state case, and it only affects people within New York City, but I would imagine that many jurisdictions around the, the state will uh, adopt this policy because it is the right policy. It is, is, it is the lawful policy. <clears throat> according to whom? I mean, according to the law, but it, just to educate people. It's lawful according to what, the Fourth Amendment? And the Fourth Amendment, the Second Circuit. Fourth Amendment is the, is the search and seizure uh, amendment. Yes, ahead. that's the one between the Third and the Fifth. That yes, would be yeah. it, yes. yes. And, uh, and uh, there's a Second Circuit case that really holds the same. So it really is a lawful result and something very positive for New Yorkers. Well, will it be positive for New Yorkers? I would think so. If someone doesn't get arrested based upon being held unlawfully because he has a warrant for uh, walking, you know, walking in the park after sunset, and he's br- and, and he's found with to have some contraband on him, and he's going to be arre- There's going to be a new arrest based upon that. Right, uh, but let's say, let's say someone has that bulge, and and it turns out to be a a, a, a wool hat. Right. But they run his warrant history, and he's wanted for robbery. Well, that, that, that's not going to happen That's anymore. not going to happen anymore. So, Well, what you're saying is... Uh, it, it, it's just one less opportunity for us to follow up on uh, people who are... I mean, look, it cuts both ways. I mean, yes, yes, uh, people who are falsely uh, pointed out or falsely identified or a police officer makes, making a mistake, they're supposed to be checked, and then then if they're nothing there, they leave, they're left alone. Correct. Currently, they're held. They run their number. They, the police officers now have the phones in their hands. They have the computers in the car. They run their, their name, and they see, you know, are you wanted for anything? No, you're right. A, someone wanted for murder will not be uh, revealed that will not be revealed now under this new policy you're right it cuts both ways but the law is the law the law is the law um i want to having nothing to do with the law sam bolin could you jump on the line here yes sir how you doing man i'm what are you, doing good we got a little t- operating difficulties here yeah it's not sounding too clear so we have to make a quick change on the commercial break if we can please all right I mean, I'm wearing a tie and a shirt. What do you want me to do? You want me to put on jeans and a sweatshirt? I mean, you do what you want in the comfort of your own office. I'm just telling you from a technical standpoint what we need to do. Oh, from a technical standpoint. All right, so then let's take a break right now, and um, we're going to come back with the commissioner. Is that what we're doing, Joan? Not the commissioner, with the the, the lieutenant, t- lieutenant McCarthy of the FDNY to uh, address what's going on in the FDNY. It's the headlines uh, are everywhere right now. Uh, we'll have to, we'll get to the bottom of it, and we want to thank Judge Cummins for coming out. And look, when you're walking down the street and the cops pull you over for something you didn't do, they can't uh, they can't overly detain you. Correct. All right, Judge, as they say in Sicily, Zygesund. We'll be right back, folks. Don't go anywhere. I'm Wish there was an easier way to navigate the world of real estate? If only there was a way to learn from the best. Well, now there is. Saturdays at 10 a.m., our very own Dottie Herman, vice chair of Douglas Elliman, gives you the inside track to what is hot in real estate. Stay one step ahead in today's seller's market as Dottie gives her tips on how to make it through the tricky waters of real estate. Doesn't matter if you're new to the game or a seasoned vet. You need to listen to Ion Real Estate. Dottie and her terrific team of experts will guide you as sellers and buyers to make sure you're getting the best value for your property. 
Whether you want to become a real estate agent or work within the business, there's no better person to learn from than the great Dottie Herman. She's a legend. She's the best, period. Tune in to Eye on Real Estate, Saturdays at 10 a.m. here on AM 970, The Answer. That's Eye on Real Estate. Don't miss it, Saturdays at 10 a.m. here on AM 970, The Answer. All right. Thank you, Michael Gallagher. And thank you, Connors and Sullivan, for taking care of the folks in our community. Because when you're healthy, you don't think you need a power of attorney. You don't think you need a health care proxy. You think, ah, I'll worry about that when I'm older, when I become sick, and nothing can be further from the truth. The fact is, if something happens, you might not be able to designate a power of attorney or a health care proxy, meaning people who could step in and do the things that you would want them to do. People who know you well enough, who would know what your wishes are. What happens then? The state or the courts may have to make those decisions for you. Nobody wants that. It's essential to create a power of attorney and a healthcare proxy as soon as you can, when you're healthy. And who's gonna do that for you? The lawyers at Connors and Sullivan, attorneys at law. They really know their stuff because they've been doing it for 40 years. They will help you make a plan that protects you best. You'll designate who you want to make decisions for you. And you're going to get a free in-person initial consultation with a lawyer. Call 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. And um, the fire commissioner, Laura Kavanaugh, she demoted three FDNY chiefs over the weekend. Uh, two of the department's top uniformed officials gave up their own positions in protest. So it's five altogether going down. Why don't we talk to someone who knows a ton about this? Let's talk to the president of the FDNY Uniformed Firefighters Association, Lieutenant James McCarthy. Welcome back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour. How are you, Lieutenant? I'm doing well, and uh, it's good to talk to you today. You're, I'm the president of the Uniform Fire Officers Association. Excuse me, you're a UFOA. bigger shot. It's all I right. know, I know, I know. Yeah, you're, 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 you know, you're, the, you're the big guys. You're the guys who make the decisions uh, and, pu- and put your lives on the lines at the same time. Um, yes. So, okay, so why don't you educate us, Lieutenant McCarthy? Um, you know, just give folks who are not that familiar with the world of firefighting and the world of, of how a commissioner uh, controls things. And this being the first female uh, commissioner, I don't know if that plays a role in any of this, but, uh, you know, she was there under Commissioner Nigro for a very long time. And m- my impression was that Nigro was a well-liked uh, commissioner, but you could educate us on that as well. The microphone is yours, Lieutenant McCarthy. Okay, so yes, uh, uh, Commissioner Kavanaugh was been in the fire department about eight years, and uh, she worked under in various positions. And under Dan Nigro, she was the first deputy commissioner. So when Dan uh, finally stepped down, she became the acting fire commissioner. And about three months ago, 
they named her officially as the next fire commissioner. And there was a swearing-in ceremony, and and uh, we moved on with the department, and we've been working together since then. Uh, it's come to my attention after uh, they had transferred some of our staff chiefs from their positions that they had in personnel or operations, which run the actual firefighting part of the FDNY, where they're in charge of what's going on in the firehouse and at, at emergencies and incidents. They transferred some of those uh, staff chiefs to other um, positions that didn't have staff chiefs before. They were run by uh, members of our union, uh, deputy chiefs or uh, battalion chiefs. So they were kind of overqualified for those positions. And that's fine. They didn't, uh, those members didn't resign. They just went to work and did their jobs, and they were. Uh, so they didn't. They didn't uh, lose. I'm sorry, Lieutenant. I just want to make sure I understand. It's so okay. they didn't lose their rank, or they didn't lose. They were just reassigned. Correct. So they worked those jobs for uh, a short period of time, a few weeks, and then the decision was made Friday that they were going to be demoted from their staff chief position back down to a deputy chief position, which is puts them back into the fire officers union. So that's a significant. Uh, change in their uh, pay and benefits and responsibility. So they go back into the firehouse and they they go into the fire trucks and fight fires with and supervise the fighting of fires. So it's significant um, change in their uh, work duty and their pay. Now, this was just one of many decisions that the um, staff chiefs didn't agree with or didn't weren't consulted with or, for that matter, didn't know about till after they were taken. Now, it's a very tight command structure, and we certainly rely on each other to save each other's lives and to um, depend on as a team. So it's very important that we have, as the catchwords of the day are transparency and communications, and uh, everybody's aware and consulted about what's going on. And that hasn't been the case for some time with the chief of department. Jack Hodgins and the chief of operations, uh, John Esposito. So, so this, just back this, up yeah. one second, Lieutenant. What hasn't been the case for some time? Communications, transparency, and consultation of these um, decisions. So decisions are made, and the chief of department is in charge of everything that goes on in the fire department and reports to the commissioner. The chief of operations is in charge of everything that happens on the fire ground, any emergencies or situations um, that affect the firehouses. So those two chiefs had not been consulted with these. Uh, this is the last move that they had been consulted with, and there's been many before that. So they felt that it wasn't because of this incident. This was just the last incident. They, there's a long history, and uh, they would you'd have to talk to them to get the whole deal, that they did not uh, feel that they were being consulted or their opinion wasn't being valued or considered. And uh, they felt that with their career and their reputation on the line that they couldn't continue with the, this current fire department administration uh, because their names appear on all of the uh, material that's sent out by the fire department. And if they're not consulted or um, have an input, then they, they felt that they didn't need to be there. And that's why they resigned their appointment, but they become deputy chiefs and go back into the firehouses to uh, respond to fires and emergencies now. So even a deputy chief goes out, goes out on the truck? Yes. Yes. Well, there's a separate 
uh, vehicle for them. They they come out and supervise fires. They uh, I got make you. sure that we're all safe inside the building and bring the logistics. So um, one of the things I read, uh, there was a couple of things I read up on this, but one of them was that uh, because of the culture of the FDNY and, and everyone being so close, that it's going to be very difficult for the commissioner to fill those five positions because it's going to look like, you know, they're stabbing their brother firefighter in the back. Is that, you know, accurate or is that just uh, a way to create a little more drama to the situation? Well, I mean, just like everything, when you see what's happened before you, it's difficult to take that job. Uh, when you see that people were, weren't treated fairly or they don't agree with the situation, you have to find different people to take those jobs. And the fire department will always find a way to uh, get the job done. They're going to they're gonna detail people to those positions that they're covered in, and uh, the job is done. But what we're really losing is all that experience. It's over 100 years of firefighting experience and logistics and a, a tremendous skill set built up over 30 years and, and the experience with the with the fire department and running emergencies and situations. So, And that's really why they were upset and um, took this action because they thought that they've earned all of the, these positions and uh, – they're not being used or consulted to do what their job is. So um, people may take the jobs, but it's it's always uh, a different story now because you see what happened before you and you have to take that into consideration when you take any job. We're talking to Lieutenant James McCarthy. He's the president of the FTNY Uniform Fire Officers Association. Um, well, when you talk about you know someone taking that job and, and maybe the communication not being what it should be, um, I would think, uh, com- this is a common sense uh, uh, observation, I would think that uh, the commissioner herself maybe like figured out, okay, this is probably not the way to do things, and if I'm going to do things in the future, I should do them differently. Um, I- I- I'm not looking for you to put your, uh, your nose in the middle of this, but as the president of the FDNY Uniform Fire Officers Association, how involved does the union get in these types of situations? Well, we represent uh, any of the fire officers, lieutenants, captains, battalion chiefs, and deputy chiefs. So we don't represent the staff chiefs, but because all their decisions uh, impact all of our members and the firefighters in the field, that we have a very good relationship with with the staff chiefs and the uh, people in Metrotech because from some adversarial, some... uh, uh, confrontational, but we still have a relationship and we get the communications uh, done that what we need and what the uh, collective bargaining agreement says we should have. So uh, we don't represent the staff chiefs. We just have our members, our former members, get promoted or appointed into those positions and then, then they leave our union. But it's a it's a big uh, group that we have to work together, as I said before. So, uh, Lieutenant, let me ask you a question. Obviously, you have your fingers on the pulse of the FDNY. Prior to this weekend, was uh, Commissioner Kavanaugh, as you said, she was acting commissioner for since uh, the beginning of the year. Uh, was she enjoying a, a, a good reputation? Was she enjoying a good run? And this is her first hiccup? Or have there been issues all along the way? Well, uh Again, eight years she's been in the department at these various levels of um, 
interaction. And the reason the staff chiefs made this decision and decided to resign their position was because they felt that there was numerous occasions that they weren't uh, working well with the the uh, upper echelon of the fire department and the, and the civilian staff that they thought that that was strong enough that they would have to um, uh, change their position and resign their their appointment to that that level. Now, again, we we work with the commissioner and we have a working relationship, but it is, um, you know, for us, it's 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 not necessarily confrontational, just adversarial, or I should say, you know, we're, we're competitive because we're trying to get the best for our membership, most pay for the most work, and it's a different thing for the uh, the administration. So there are, there were some problems, and as I'm told by the staff chiefs, that there was some. Um, problems with them and uh, in a long-running basis. It wasn't just this final moment that, that uh, caused everything. There was uh, a lot of background that I'm not really privy to. But Okay, so one last question. I have a minute to go. I just wanted to ask you, Lieutenant James McCarthy, I just want to talk about Commissioner Nigro, who was there for the entire de Blasio administration. Uh, th- th- does he, did he enjoy a good reputation as the commissioner? Well, again, he was a, a commissioner that came up through the ranks. He was a firefighter, and he became um, commissioner. Uh, and then uh, after September 11th, after the tragic loss of a lot of, of our uh, members, and then he was tapped by the de Blasio administration to come to fire commissioner. We enjoyed a great relationship with uh, uh, Commissioner Dan Nigro, and we still have a good relationship with him. And again, we don't agree on everything, and there were some things that we uh, butted heads about. And for the same uh, collective bargaining agreements or the way that we felt like the membership needs to be treated uh, as, um, you know, men and women that do a a very important job, dangerous job, need to get the best training, the most comprehensive training and the best safe equipment uh, going forward with this. And that that came right up to the the end of Dan Igro's administration and through the beginning of of, – uh, Commissioner Kavanaugh's. Well, I, all I can tell you is on behalf of New Yorkers, first of all, thank you for your, your service and your duty. And, look, we hope this all gets worked out quickly. And I, I do know that on both sides of the this situation, the one thing everyone is assuring everyone is that uh, New Yorkers will be safe and the FDNY will do their splendid job that they always do. So, Lieutenant James McCarthy, President of the FDNY Uniform Fire Officers Association, thank you so much for being on the Authorized Dollar Power Hour. Best of luck and keep thank up your right work. There. Be well. All right. Take All care. right, folks, we're going to take a quick uh, bottom of the hour, 6.30 break. We'll be right back with Lauren Fix talking about cars. All right, the Fed raised the rates last week. Did it make an impact on the markets? And what should you be thinking about when President Biden gives a State of the Union, economically speaking. Hillary Kramer, Kevin McCullough, tonight at 7 on Radio Night Live. Ready to start a business in New Jersey? The state's New Jersey Business Action Center is here to guide you through the process. Call us at 1-800-JERSEY-7. That's 1-800-JERSEY-7. This message sponsored by the New Jersey Business Action Center, the New Jersey Broadcasters Association, and this station. What you've heard about probiotics is probably wrong. I eat yogurt, so I don't need to take a probiotic. Probiotics? They don't really work. It's time to learn the truth about probiotics from Align, the probiotic brand recommended by gastroenterologists two times more than any other probiotic brand. 
Align has probiotics to naturally help relieve occasional bloating, gas, and abdominal discomfort. Try Align for a month and see how great a healthy gut can feel at AlignProbiotics.com. So I have been talking to you about court reporting and how important court reporters are in the world that I live in and how Plaza College is the best place for you to become a court reporter. But I also want to tell you that Plaza College has four other schools of study. Yes, Plaza College, which has been around since 1916, has four other schools besides the court reporting school, including their new school of nursing. The accelerated Bachelor of Science in Nursing program can be completed in just 16 months. Students complete their curriculum in the new Center for Healthcare Simulation on Plaza's campus and within the best hospital systems in New York City. Plaza also has a dental hygiene program with a 20-chair community clinic. Students work on live patients under the supervision of a dentist. It is incredible. If you want additional information regarding the programs I mentioned or Plaza's other areas of study, like their School of Business and Paralegal Studies or School of Allied Health, just visit their website at plazacollege.edu. That's plaza, P-L-A-Z-A, college.edu. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. My name is Imran Ansari, and I lead the Civil Litigation Division of Idala, Bertuna & Kamins, the preeminent New York litigation law firm. Have you been injured in a construction site accident? Have you fallen from a scaffold, ladder, or height while on the work site? If the answer is yes, then you may be entitled to significant monetary compensation for your injuries. In most cases, the law in New York favors you as the plaintiff if injured in a fall while working on someone else's property. It is important you speak to an attorney right away to make sure your rights are protected. Myself and our team of experienced trial attorneys will never settle for less than what you deserve. We're always ready to go to court to fight for you and seek justice. If you or a loved one have been injured in an accident, don't delay. Call Idala Bertuna and Kamins at 212-486-0011, 212-486-0011, or visit us at idalalaw.com. Idala Bertuna and Kamins, fighting for justice, fighting for you. Welcome back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with lifetime New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala making the case for the city he loves. Here's Arthur. Stambolino, how many tricks you got in your bag there? I try. I stay busy for you, man. How many tricks you got? Nice. All right. Besides San Bellino, besides Joni, a fixture, pardon the pun, a fixture here on the Idola Power Hour on Monday. Motor Mondays is Lauren Fix. Hi, Lauren. How are you? Hi, Arthur. I'm doing great. Hope you're doing well. I am doing very well. Um, So... Joan gave me a little tidbit about like what you want to talk about. And it's so interesting because, you know, at night when I have to unwind, I just lay in bed and I just go on all the, the sites, you know, cars.com, autotrader.com, car gurus, all of them. And I've noticed like there's some cars. So I have a pretty good idea of what the market bears. And then there'll be cars that are like 
significantly underpriced. Not crazy significantly underpriced, but like 15%, 20% lower. And I'm like looking. I'm like, why is it? Why is it? And I think you're going to tell us why some of these cars are coming on the market now. And they're either being – the prices are lowered or you're just getting straight up ripped off. Right. You know, they always say buyer beware, right? You've heard that a million times. Well, in this case, buyer beware – is really getting stronger now than ever. Remember, we had Hurricane Ian, which I was actually in Florida for the whole hurricane. It was quite interesting experience. Uh, and then at the same time, California was having a big weather issue with flooding. Now you may think, I'm in New York. That doesn't me at all. So what does that have to do with anything? Well, what it really has to do with is the fact that what no one realizes those cars are flooded, right? So the insurance company pays them out if you have insurance coverage. Now, you get your money, you go on your way, you buy another car. So what happens to that vehicle? What's supposed to happen is that vehicle gets titled with flood damage or totaled. Each state has their own terminology. Salvage, Remember, salvage each- is in another one. Salvage, one yep. of those ones. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So the thing is, so you would know that. You would see that on a title and say salvage title. There are honest people out there, but there are also dishonest people. And what they do is they do something called title washing. So let's say you pick up a car in California or Florida. You pick it up at a good price from a salvager, and you go, you know what, I got some parts. I could probably make this thing back together and running, you know, enough to sell it for, you know, stick it to somebody, essentially. So what they do is they put the car, and they move it through Pennsylvania. They move it through Arkansas. They move it through a bunch of different states. And it, sometimes during that time, this typically happens called title washing, that disappears, that total salvage, waterlogged, whatever the label is from the state, disappears. Now it looks like a clean title from Pennsylvania, Michigan, whatever. And you're like, oh, you know, I'm looking at this car in New Jersey. It looks like a good deal to use car. It's either being sold on Facebook market, you know, maybe Craigslist or, you know, maybe on a corner lot or maybe in a used car lot. Not sold through dealers. That's the one thing to know. The dealers can track this stuff down. So you won't see it at your favorite Chevy, Ford, Honda dealer. They're not going to take that risk because they know if there's a problem, it's going to fall back on them. But there are some people that are unscrupulous that will sell stuff quickly to get rid of it. And that's where, when it sounds too good to be true, like your mother used to say, it's too good to be true. And these flood damaged cars have no warranty. So even if it's a brand new car and you have a problem and you take it to the dealer, there's no warranty. The dealer, the manufacturer will not stand behind it. Just like if you dropped your cell phone or your laptop in the water, right? You're not going to be able to go back to the manufacturer and go, yeah, it's not working. No kidding. Well, so let me ask you this, Lauren Fix. If uh, you are interested in a vehicle and maybe it seems a little too good to be true, is there any way for a rookie, for a novice to look at a car and figure out that it's – because, you know, the the um, scenario you just put out there about the, your phone in the water, the old phones that had a removable battery, there was also a little – device and a little strip and if it got wet it turned pink so if you brought your mm-hmm. your phone to the to verizon and say my phone's not working they'd open up the back and say well you got it wet because look this is pink is there any telltale mm-hmm. sign on an automobile uh where you can really look and say hey arthur if you're hypothetically your rotors are rusted or your this is rusted mm-hmm. or you know lift up the rug and if the rug is rusted you know you're out or is it just yeah. you're just you're just in well, trouble the problem is it's not illegal to sell flood damaged cars. That's the first thing. If there was, there would be a lot of people in a lot of trouble. Um, so what ends up happening is the only thing you can do, the easiest thing you can do is find out where the fuse box is under the hood. So pop the hood, 
of the vehicle, look underneath the fuse box. If you see moisture, that's a big sign. Moisture under the fuse box is an absolute no-go. But these people are pretty smart, and they know that. So if you notice new carpeting, maybe there's a lot of perfume in the vehicle. They're like, wow, this thing is really, like someone sprayed a whole can of some sort of odor remover. You can smell it right away because you're going to smell the salt water or the mold or the mildew that's been built up inside. Anytime it's masked like that or something looks funny, you see rust on a hood hinge of a car that's, you know, 2010 and newer, don't you throw a flag in your head going, yeah, there's something not right here. Well, Lauren, why don't you tell folks what, 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 is the, what is the potential damage? So let's just say uh, a, a used car person buys a car off of the Mannheim auction and uh, mm-hmm. it has flood damage on it. And they said, listen, we, we've gone through this car inside out, upside down. We ran dehumidifiers in it. And this is actually the original rugs. They're fine. Like, what is the, what's the, I don't know, the worst case scenario? Or is it, you know, just because it got wet, does that mean it's totally ruined? Well, you know, that's a great question. And the thing is, there's, there's a line in the sand somewhere. If it's water and it's like halfway up the wheels, it's probably not a problem. If it's salt water... That's a problem. Salt water from Hurricane Ian, salt water will corrode your brake lines, your fuel lines, your exhaust system, all those computers that are, if the water got into where the passenger compartment is, all the computers are underneath the rugs and they're underneath the, the seats. So if they get wet, it's the same thing as your computer getting wet. The chances of it working are hit and miss. And the fact is, again, the manufacturers know these vehicles are flood damaged and you lose all your warranty. The safety systems typically don't work. Airbags don't deploy. So you're taking a big risk. If there's a problem with the vehicle, it's 100% on you. Now, maybe you can turn wrenches and you know what you're doing. You have access to parts. You're willing to take that risk. I'm not going to take that risk. The okay. other part of it that no one talks about is mold and mildew. If you have any sort of allergies, any sort of compromised immune system, you want to stay away from those vehicles because that mold and mildew will make you even sicker. All right. One, I, we got about three minutes to go, and I just want okay. to talk to you a little bit about some legislation that, that is not passed, but Congress is, is talking about, and it has to do with the uh, prevention of alcohol-impaired driving and obviously mm-hmm. the fatalities that accompany them. Again, these are all proposals. They're not the law yet, but Lauren Fix, tell us, tell us what direction we're heading in. Well, the infrastructure bill that was passed in 2021 that was signed by President Biden, if you look at Section 24220, that's 24220, you'll see there's an area where they're trying to limit people dying from alcohol-related accidents. Great idea, right? Nobody wants anything. Nobody wants that to happen. So we're all on the same page here. I don't think there's anybody that would. But unfortunately, when you read deeper, this is where, as an automotive person who's worked in engineering my whole life, there's got to be something to all of this more so than what's on the surface. To me, and I'm reading it differently, you're reading it from a legal standpoint, you're reading the actual law in the section that was signed that says that they're going to put in safety devices to stop people from driving while drunk. Great idea. But they want to make it mandated in every vehicle by 2026. So what is it that it's going to be? That we don't know yet. That's where the gray area is. This may get changed. It could be defunded. It could be removed. All these things are possibilities that might happen. But as of today... They're already tracking your eyes. We've all seen that. You know, you're driving along and it says, hey, you've been driving too long. You should take a break. Or maybe right. you need a cup of coffee because you're, distra- you're distracted by something. Or maybe you're sleeping or you're nodding. The eye tracking is in many, many cars. And it's very easy to find it. But they want to take it to the next step further and come up with a device that would be mandated 
And that's something that we need to figure out what is that. And from my automotive perspective, not from your legal perspective, that would mean they'd have to be listening in the car. They'd have to have a way to detect you being potentially drunk or under the influence of something or potentially being a danger to others on the road. That's the big question. So when I'm hearing from manufacturers, they're talking about listening in the car, tracking your eyes, uh, you know, fingerprint touch to start the car. Big brother, baby. Big go. brother is going to big brother is going to be in the car in the car with you, huh? Yeah, well, I'm not happy about that. I mean, they're already in the car with you and in your cell phone as it is. I don't even have Alexa in my house because I don't like any of that stuff. But don't worry. You go. You go. Joni Joni joined you. All right. Lauren Fix, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Next time I talk to you, I want to, I don't know, I'll have another car thing for you. You know, I had Governor Cuomo on last week and he got like all, he got all excited. I know, I know you listened to, but that was the part of the interview that we both got the most excited about. You know, like, you know, (laughs) just talking about our car thing. And what's funny is he's got a 75 Corvette and my buddy uh, Dave was like, you know, that's a crappy car. But he knew it too. (laughs) But he's like, but he's like, that's my first car. And, yeah. and that's why I keep it in my first one is an 86 Alpha Graduate. I'll take the Alpha Graduate over the 75 oh, uh, Vet. Absolutely. Every, any day, all day long, you're right. And he is a car guy. I just say, unfortunately, um, you know, they, they want to move us to electric vehicles. I'm not a fan. I am driving a Lucid Air this week. I know you asked. It's a Lucid Air Grand Touring. It is spectacular. It competes with the Mercedes-Benz EQS. I'm not an electric car fan, but I will tell you this car – really impresses and beats the pants off of anything Tesla off. All right. So, Lauren, you know what? Next week, um, I, well, I'm pretty sure we're here Monday. Um, mm-hmm. Let's, um, well, I don't know, why don't you bang out just a couple of car reviews uh, in the world of electric cars, since that seems to be uh, right. on everyone, the tip of everyone's tongue. Thank you so much, <laughs> Lauren Fix. Motor Mondays, you can find Lauren all over the place. Just put in Lauren Fix, and you're going to find her on every platform with videos of car reviews. When do your car reviews drop, Lauren? I drop car reviews on Sunday nights. I do news stories on Tuesdays and Fridays and other interesting information in between. There you go. F-I-X. Not hard to find, Lauren Fix. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this message, and we'll do a whole wrap-up of what we did this weekend. Don't go away. This is Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com for Town Hall. The Columbia Journalism Review issued a lengthy and devastating condemnation of mainstream media last week, deconstructing all of the ways in which news outlets failed in the Russia collusion hoax. It started with the Steele dossier, a document that Bob Woodward prophetically called a garbage document at the time, but established media embraced for two years or more. Only after the futility of Robert Mueller's probe did these outlets admit their error, and not universally. The New York Times refuses to this day to account for its failures, insisting that they got it right all along. At the same time this review came out, the media elite participated in a Cronkite Media Lab symposium to declare that objectivity has to go. Instead, the media pledged to serve their own identity, life experiences, and cultural contexts. In other words, the media plans to double down on its corrupt approach to reporting news. The CJR report notes that media credibility is at an all-time low. Expect it to get even lower with current leadership. I'm Ed Morrissey. This is Mike Gallagher. Join me on an amazing journey through Israel this October. Dennis Prager and I are going back to the Holy Land for the Stand with Israel Tour, along with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. Imagine a personal impact from exploring Jerusalem, Galilee, the Dead Sea region, and so much more. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com, StandWithIsraelTour.com, or call 855-565-5519. StandWithIsraelTour.com. 
Well, let's talk about Italy. We just went from Israel to Italy. That's what I love about you, Sam Molina. You mix things up. You keep people going. I love it. You got you do hair commercials before I come on the air. It's, it's wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. Um, what are you going to do this fall? What are you going to do in October? You want to go to Italy? Not just go to Italy. Go to Italy with Joe Piscopo. Go to Italy with Joe Piscopo on a Perillo tour. Let me tell you about the Perillo tour. Rome, Catania, Taromina, Savoca, Forza de Agro, Mount Etna, and Palermo. That's the best of Rome and Sicily for nine nights. What a trip. Enjoy wonderful food and taste classic Italian wine at Mount Etna and see some actual sights used in the iconic Godfather movie. It's a trip you'll remember for years to come. You'll also be treated to an intimate dinner performance by Joe Piscopo himself at a fabulous restaurant in Rome. Get ready to roll cameras because Joe puts on a heck of a performance. Call Perillo Tours. Set it up. Don't hesitate. 1-800-431-1515. Remember, Perillo Tour is a, a Perillo Tours it's a stress-free escorted vacation. You don't lift a finger. They do everything for you. That's 800-431-1515. You're going to secure your reservation on this very limited tour before it sells out October 18th to 28th. 800-431-1515. Or go online to perillotours.com. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970. The Answer. Catch any of the Grammys or any of the highlights? Yes. Okay, Joni, go ahead, take Can it I away. Talk? Wait, wait. First, let's talk. It. Wait, first, let's talk about this song. Talk to me, Sambolino. What's up with this tune? So, if if you know this tune, it's uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" by Nirvana. And today, in 2014, a publication named NME, which is New Musical Express, named this the number one ranked song in. The, it's one of the greatest songs of all time. That's what they write that. Number one. They said it's the greatest Number song of all time. I one. mean, the come on. Song the, everyone time. says it's Stairway to Heaven, right? Uh, I mean, it is another good song, but it did not hit top five in this Right, but this is, this is like for a specific thing. They have, um, Like Teen Spirit was one of the last songs written for Nirvana's breakthrough album, Nevermind, which was released in 91. The rest of the top five tracks were... At number five, Last Night by The Strokes, which I love. A song you like, yeah. All right, all right. How Soon Is Now by The Smiths, which I like that as well. I Feel Love by Don, Don Summer. And Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division. Wait, who was the Joy Division? Was it like Steve Winwood? I mean, you got uh, some good good artists in there. Yeah, you know. Listen, I, I just... This is, let's just say that this is a very unique uh, list of greatest songs of all time. That, that's all I'm saying. Now, English let, rock band, Joy Division. Yeah, I know that part, jo, Joan. <laughs> tell Jiminy Crickets. I want to know who Jiminy was Jiminy Crickets. Ian Curtis, <laughs> Peter Hooks. Okay, I was wrong. I don't know any of them. Oh, it was the, 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 they then, um, I think they morphed into the Sex Pistols. But, uh, yes, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Joan, tell us about the Emmys. I mean, the Grammys. <laughs> the Emmys? I could tell you about the Emmys. The thing that got me about the Grammys, I don't know, Sam Bellino, if you were able to watch this. I did. The 50, yeah. Joy Division became New Order. That's where I'm coming New from. New Order. I love New Order. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sam Bellino, you're going to have to play a New Order song. Love Vigilantes. 
Tell me about the Grammys. So, Beyonce San Bellino, won did you them, watch uh, it? No, it's, this is not about San Bellino. This is about you, Jared. Well, the thing that got me was the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. And they did this whole big performance with LL Cool J directing it all. He had this, like, pinkish-red leather outfit on, and they had, like, Busta Rhymes, and they had Boys to Men, and they had... Salt and Peppa and Queen Latifah and Flava Flav. I mean, it's it was so it made me want to be a singer. Okay. It was so super cool. Okay. What about, and Beyonce broke records. Right, but broke I, I read records. Something, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I said something that she was late. She missed her first award because she was late. So they were making fun the next day saying she was late, but her husband went and he was on time. So he left her because she wasn't ready uh, and she was late and missed her first award. That's um, the, the Eric Clapton song. You look wonderful tonight. That she was, about was waiting for his wife it, to get dressed. That was such a beautiful. Oh, my God. Her winning was just perfect. What? Beyonce she, winning? Yeah. So did she win the album of the year? She, she won. won? Um, Right, right. Well, I think it was album of the year. Yeah, let me look it up okay. to make sure I've got go. it correct. It was now, album and, of the year. I'm going to defend did not Joan. Win album of the year. Okay, I'm going to defend Joan because I didn't ask her to talk about the Grammys. I no, just figured I since this is her thing. Prepared. Yeah, I know. Okay, it's my fault. But I that's apologize. okay because I loved it and I loved the performance by Bad Bunny. Do you know Bad Bunny? No. Really mm -hmm. cool guy and group, and they performed. Um, it was phenomenal. Matt, did you like that? I thought it was great. What I'm really loving is that you really, it doesn't sound like you watch the Grammys at all. Wow. That's it. What I did love he it. say? He said it doesn't, oh, she doesn't have her earplugs I don't on. have it my earplugs it on. It doesn't sound like you watch the Grammys at all. Oh my like God, I just... totally watched it. What are you kidding me? <laughs> but were you like half sleeping when you watched it? I mean, you don't, <laughs> no. you're not providing a lot of information. Because I, I didn't watch the whole thing. Okay. Uh, I saw Adele win and out. she cried and she dedicated it to her son. Okay. But did she, I heard they said she lost something or she was nominated She lost something else and. Bonnie Raitt won, which was a big shock of the night. She won uh, best song, I think it was Matt. Yes, best uh, best. So it was song of the year, actually. For song of the just year, like that. Oh yeah. For, you know who should have won an award? Kate Bush for the re the the reemergence of running up that hill after thirty they years played being played everywhere uh, over this past they year. That's kind of cool, isn't it? So Sam Bellino, this is why I didn't even I didn't even remember the Grammys, but. Uh, next Friday. No, you should have watched them next, of all people. You no, rock man, I, no, you. Yeah, yeah, but there's no rock. You didn't name one rock person there. That's true. You, there's, no, there's zero You're rock. Right, there there's no strokes. Isn't... There's no nothing. Yeah, you know so what? You're right. There is rock is, is done when it comes to the Grammys. But I um, next Friday night, I am going to uh, Red Bank, New Jersey, to the Count Basie Theater to uh, with Luca to watch um, uh, Star Trek The Wrath of Khan. A very old movie. Wow. Um, but um, Captain Kirk is going to be there. Do you know who Captain yes, Kirk is? Yes, of course. William uh, Shatner. I love and him. He's going to be interviewed after the after the movie, like a and a And Sam Bellino, you know who's interviewing him, right? I do. Our friend over a, a couple, Frank couple from of Staten down Island. the aisle. Frank, Are you a Trekkie? Frank, Frank, not at all. But I do know uh, Frank from Staten Island. This is a very, very big thing from him. Oh, and I'm yeah. talking about Frank Morano. This is like a, he's he's a huge, huge Captain Kirk fan. I'm told there um, may be a Piscopo sighting there as well. Oh, really? Oh, yes. that I didn't know. Um, but I needed to turn Luca on a little bit to the Star Trek world. So I mistakenly uh, watched. I said, well, let's watch the very first Star Trek movie, Star Trek The Motion Picture, which I thought I had seen. And maybe I did. But it's really not that good. 
<laughs> it's not that good. It's it's slow. It's boring. Luca and I got through it. Uh, it's this Friday. I didn't mean next Friday night, Morano. This Friday night. So whatever it is, the tenth. <laughs> um, but I should have asked Frank, like, what should Luca watch? I, I I made an executive decision, and it was. I mean, it's fine because the the movie the the motion pictures, the Star Trek, the motion picture, that's what it's called, goes so slow that you get to see all the characters and, you know, you, there's no rush. So Luca got to see who they all are. Well, there's are. not a lot of technology then, in the old ones, too. So it's probably like, hi, let's walk behind a curtain. Yeah, yeah, well, something like that. They, 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 it's pretty good, Joan. Don't, don't rag on the whole enterprise, please. Don't get me in trouble. <laughs> Morano will be like, why is Joan you know, yelling at us about yelling about Star Trek? But, uh, then, I want then, an education. I want a Star trek Frank, Well, Frank actually gave me now a bunch of episodes that Luca could watch. So they're on Amazon Prime, and he has an assignment for the next couple of nights to catch up on this so that when we get to uh, the Wrath of Khan on Friday night, and then we get to hear the uh, the conversation with Captain, uh, with Captain Kirk, we'll be in, in good shape. The The episode from the first season of Star Trek is called Space Seed, and that's where Ricardo Montalban pops up as uh, uh, as the Mr. Khan there, or whatever. I'm sure he's got a big, long name. But I know uh, almost every word to this next song uh, called Love Vigilantes uh, by New Order. Um, it was a song that Joe Hassan and I and Chris Glynn, uh, we used to crank it up back in 1984, 85. And it's about a guy who goes off to war. And um, he um, he comes home. And he thinks he's alive, and then he sees that his wife is in her hand. She's reading a letter, and it says that he's dead. Uh, And it's pretty, pretty cool. But on a Monday night, but it's an upbeat song, so you wind up feeling happy at the end. On a Monday night here at AM 970 Answer, thank you for tuning in. We have another great show for you tomorrow that Joan's in the middle of producing, so don't go anywhere tomorrow night. We'll see you at 6. Have a great one, everyone. Home, so Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons, PC. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 